0: I'd like to welcome everybody that's watching or listening online by YouTube or by our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today and everybody that's here for the very first time. My name is David Bendett, I'm the senior pastor. Here's my amazing wife. We're men and women in black today. Stand up, Amber, and say hi. She loves it when we match. She loves it when we match. (laughs) No, she doesn't, she doesn't. She's like, you're wearing black today? I was gonna wear black today. I'm like, well, then you need to change. No, it never goes like that. She says, you need to change, and I'm the one changing. But what happens when I leave before her, she doesn't know what I wore. So anyway, I'm so glad that you guys are here today. Today, I'm gonna dive into a topic that I have not taught here publicly before. I've talked about it, I've referenced it, and I've taught it in the Firestorm, and that is the fear of the Lord. A lot of people don't really understand what the fear of God is, and so my heart is to break this down and help you to understand what the fear of the Lord is. Now, this is a really incredible topic. It's weighty, it's deep, it's intense, and there's a lot of facets to it. What I would encourage you to do is take notes and write some things down or come back and listen to this message again. You know, a lot of times I'll preach a message and I'll say things I don't even realize I say, and I'll go back and listen to it, and I'm like, man, That actually was pretty good. So, uh, and I'm not boasting in myself. It's just really genuinely, I don't realize a lot that comes out. And so I encourage you guys to go back and listen to the words. You know, I only give you the pilot hole. You drill the drill in. I only open the water under the faucet. You turn the faucet on. And so I just give you the things that I feel like the Lord wants us as a house to learn. I have way more concern about building this house and seeing your life strengthened, equipped, and impacted. Now, for those of you that come to this church a lot or are here full-time or members, some of you can tell my testimony better than I can tell my testimony. And I know there's sometimes I start going into my testimony and I see some people like, oh gosh, here we go again. But look, I want to tell you something. Last service, I shared some of my story. And in this message, um, mostly next week, I'm going to share a lot of my story and how God actually resisted me. And in the fear of the Lord, there's this dynamic that God can actually resist you. And we don't understand that, and I'll explain it to you, but God was resisting me in my stubbornness. When you say stubborn and obstinate against the Lord coming after you, then he actually sets his face against you and resists you. Now, don't get offended and manifest. This doesn't mean God doesn't love you. He loves you. It doesn't mean that God doesn't desire you. He desires you. But if you choose to go your own way, then God actually creates or allows circumstances that bring resistance into your life to break you. My breaking was prison. My breaking was divorce. Because when I choose to go my own way and I thought it was God and it wasn't, or when I choose to resist him, when preachers would come, people try to tell me the good news of the gospel, people would try to tell me Jesus loves me. I'm like, yeah. I believe that, but so does Buddha, so does you know, all these other gods. I believed in the theory of relativism. I believed whatever worked for you worked for you. Who was I to tell you? But the Bible says, how will they hear without a preacher? Somebody has to tell somebody, yes. right? Now, one of the greatest ways is how you live your life. The best way that I could teach my kids what a real fear of the Lord looks like is for them to see their dad walking in the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord restrains me and you can write some of these down. I'm just gonna share a bunch of truths about the fear of the Lord. Without the fear of the Lord, you won't be restrained. Because listen, let's not lie to ourselves. There's a lot of things we wanna do that we shouldn't do. Or sometimes we do do. <laughs> which gets you in doo-doo. <laughs> but the fear of the Lord restrains you. So what, What? there's a lot of reasons that keep me back from not being Uh, having infidelity or cheating on my wife, and I'll talk about that. There's a lot of reasons why I don't spin out in the flesh. There's a lot of reasons, but the number one reason is I'm restrained. I'm bridled. Because you can be like a wild Mustang. You got a flesh like a wild Mustang that doesn't want to be bridled. But the fear of the Lord will bridle you. And if you don't have the fear of the Lord and understand both sides, either A, God will be a terrorist to you and confound every one of your ways because you're unsubmitted. You are stubborn and obstinate and God will bring you to your end. Or B, which is really plan A, is if I'm submitted to the Lord in the fear of God with a healthy understanding of it, God actually showers his favor upon my life. Fear and favor go hand in hand. The fear of God and the favor of God go hand in hand. So if I stay submitted, I see favor, blessings, prosperity. If I don't stay submitted to the fear of God, I despise the grace of God and I do it in my own way. That's pride. So hang on, I'm going to give you lots of stuff. We're going to talk about pride and humility. We're going to talk about the two types of fear. We're going to talk about doing it your way versus his way. We're going to talk about what a real fear of God looks like and what an unhealthy fear of God looks like. And it's going to take a little bit of time to unpack it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy and ask yourself, Am I walking in a proper, healthy fear of God? If you're being abusive, cheating, lying, stealing, manifesting, overworking, chasing after money, you're probably walking in an unhealthy fear of God. Okay? And so it's a heavy topic, but let's dive into it. The fear of God gets the ear of God. When you fear God, you hear God and God is close to you. He's near to you. When you fear God, you get the ear of God. I'm keep try to keep it simple. When you fear God, God's listening. When you don't fear God, God's not listening. When you fear God, you're near to God. When you fear God, you get the heart of God. Now, I fear God because I love God, because I know he's a good father. The fear of God and the love of God are also synonymous. In fact, you can't have a proper fear of God if you don't have a proper understanding of the love of God. I took 52 teenagers to IHOP when they first opened up in Kansas City in 19, uh, let's see, 2002. And in those days, we would go into a little room in a trailer. This is the International House of Prayer, not the International House of Pancakes. I should clarify. The International House of Prayer in Kansas City has had night and day prayer since 1999, 24 hours, seven days a week. It's on right now. I listen to probably two to three hours a day. I intercede with them. It's not entertainment, it's worship and intercession. It keeps me in an attitude of prayer and intercession. I'm in agreement with what they're praying and interceding over. I go, when I work out, I listen to IHOP. At night before I go to bed, I'm listening to IHOP. When I'm in the shower, I'm listening to IHOP because for me, I love the attitude of worship, warfare, prayer, and intercession, and I always want that around me, always, okay? So I took 52 teenagers to the International House of Prayer and Mike Bickle came in. And I said to Mike, I said, Mike, what would you, if you could say one thing to these teenagers, what would you say? He said, well, I'd say actually two things. The first thing is most people think that the love of God is about right here, but the love of God's actually infinite. You can't limit the love of God. And we have such a little understanding of how deep and wide and incredible God's love is for you. Like, okay. I love that. He said, the next thing I would tell you is when you screw up and you mess up, don't run from him, run to him. See, because when sin comes into your life, the first thing that the enemy wants to do is bring fear and shame. And then your response is control. And control manifests in isolation, offenses. Control can manifest in a lot of different ways. It can manifest in chasing money. It can manifest in chasing your career. It can manifest in wanting the house and the stuff and the things and notoriety and fame. That's all control. Because the kingdom is upside down. It's opposite of that, it's death. It's make yourself of no reputation. It's don't chase after man and chase after him. Let him be the Lord and he'll provide what you need. Because he knows what you need better than what you know. Right? And so, Learning to run to God instead of run from him is so important. That's why you never give up. There's people here that have come in and out of this church over the years, but you're here today. There's people here that have come flamed on for a moment. And then the next thing you know, they're backslidden right back at the pig trough. And then you realize that food's not very good and it brings you to your end. And you come back to the house of God where you find peace, safety, security, encouragement, and your life gets edified and built. And God is close to you and you go, man, I'm staying here. The key is to never give up. You know, when I gave my life to the Lord, and this is some of my story, I gave my life to Jesus fully in prison. Thank God for prison. Because if I didn't go to prison, I could be in a coffin. Mark my words. I would, I would trip acid and drive down US-1 in Miami at three o'clock in the morning doing 75 miles an hour and running every single red light in the middle of the night. I did the stupidest stuff. I swam in the middle of the night in canals, tripping on acid, full of alligators. I'm shocked I didn't get eaten. <laughs> I, I drove drinking more times than I could tell you. I went to more ladies' nights and clubs. I got pulled over with a beer in my hand, handed it to my, the person sitting next to me, and as the cop walked up to the window, he dumped it out on the side. I got pulled over with massive bags of weed and LSD. They found the LSD. And I hid the pot in the bumper in the front of the car in the middle of Wyoming in a snowstorm in December. It's 25 below zero. The police find the LSD, like 200 hits of acid, and let us go. The, The mercy of God was chasing me. And the more I resisted, the more those circumstances came against me until eventually I came to an end. But see, that was still the love of God because I could, still, I could have been doing prison for life or killed somebody or dead. Now I'm getting to preach to you. Yeah. This is a miracle, right? So this, if, this is the thing. A healthy fear of God restrains you because you've been forgiven and because He loves you and you don't want to. Ma- Look, I love my wife. I just want to tell y'all, she's there talking right now. Saying you've never <laughs> weed. Oh no, Amber's never smoked weed in her entire life, <laughs> or a cigarette, or done a drug. And she initially said, I will never marry somebody who's been married in prison or done drugs. <laughs> just goes to show you the humor of God, right? <laughs> and so, but here's the thing. I'm in covenant relationship with my wife. I don't, I love her so much that because of love, I would fear screwing it up because of love. I don't fear it because man, gosh, if I screwed it up, I'd lose everything. That's not why. A healthy fear comes out of a right relationship of perfect love because perfect love casts out all fear. Here's the deal the best thing we can do is be honest that we don't really understand the depth and the width of God's love, like Mike Bickle said. Because he's awesome. And because he's so awesome, I have a reverent fear and I know he's a father and I know he wants to restrain me. So when I wanna do something I shouldn't do or look at something I shouldn't look at because we all have a flesh or whatever your flesh vicey thing is, now I'm a man bridled with restraint. The fear of God restrains me because I know he's a good father, but I also know that he will discipline me. Now, when I discipline my child, the last thing I want my son to do is run from me. In fact, I have to teach him, yes, you might get a spanking, but the worst thing you could do is run. Because you know what happens when he doesn't run and he comes and we have a face-to-face conversation? He stands a much better chance of getting mercy. That's it. And you know what you need? You need mercy. You need, mercy. Yeah. You need the mercy of God. And because God's been so merciful, merciful and so forgiving and so loving, I'm so in love with him that I have a reverent awe fear of God, not as a terrorist. I don't ever believe God's out to get me. I don't ever believe God's out to get me. God loves you, but when you're obstinate and stubborn and resisting him, God's out to get you because he loves you. So he'll use those circumstances to grab you or to break you. You will be broken. You can do it the easy way or the hard way. I've done it so much the hard way. I don't wanna do it the hard way anymore. How about you? I just wanna be a man submitted. Because of the fear of God, I repent. The fear of God leads to repentance. If you repent, you're walking in the fear of God. People that don't fear God don't repent. People that fear, that don't fear God aren't restrained. They just do whatever their flesh wants. Porn, affairs, lying, stealing, cheating, living for self. Maybe you don't do any of those things. Like, man, I don't do any of that. Okay, well, I promise you If you don't have perfect love in your life, there is fear somewhere. It just manifests differently. And the world has this motto of no fear. The world has this motto of saying fear nothing. But the truth is, is that fear manifests differently. Not in I'm afraid all the time, but I take control so that nothing will get me. I take control so that I'm in a position where I have the money and the resources and the things that I have. I set myself up to not fall. It's a form of control, which ultimately comes from an inaccurate fear, okay? So there's a lot to this, and it's something that we have to develop. Remember, the fear of the Lord, it has to be taught. The fear of the Lord is instruction. You don't just catch it by osmosis. In many ways, you catch it by repeatedly failing and realizing that I'm banging my head against a wall. And at some point, you get tired of banging your head against a wall. And you say, I'm done, I surrender. And so I tell my story a lot so you can see how I did it. And I realize that sometimes like, man, here we go. How many Grateful Dead concerts did I go to? Wow, you guys don't even, it was 45 Grateful Dead concerts. Who does? Good job, man. He knew, he knew. And listen, last service Somebody came up to me here for the first time and he looked me right in the eyes. He said, I'm a coke addict. And this guy looked healthy, strong, and he didn't look like a drug addict. He looked like an everyday, healthy dad, family guy. And he just straight up like, I'm a coke addict. And see, that's the beauty of living in the light and in a place of safety. It's like, I didn't go, oh, dude, how could you? I didn't shame him. I'm like, oh, bro. I started getting emotional and I hugged him with comfort and love and compassion, laid my hands on him and prayed for him and God showed up. Now he'll have to respond to that, but our response is so important because, and we'll get to this, I'm giving you a lot now, but when you fear God accurately, you can't help but love somebody else. A proper fear of the Lord makes you love others properly. Not only do you love yourself properly, but you'll love others properly. See, we've got this warped view of the fear of God. You know why I preach? Because I fear God. You know why I love my wife? Because I fear God. The fear of God will directly affect how you discipline your children. 100 If you don't have a proper fear of God, you will beat your kids or beat them with your tongue. And some of us were beat by our dads or our moms and whiplash by their tongues. They don't have a proper fear of God. But the beauty is the curse stops here. You get to to stop that curse. The blood of Jesus stops it now. You're not gonna be like your dad. You're gonna be like Jesus. And don't make the vow that says, I'll never be like my dad. Don't make that vow. Because then that puts your mom or your dad as your measuring standard. They're not my standard. Jesus is my standard. The heavenly father's my standard. So because I fear God and I'm a man under submission, I can show my kids what a man under submission looks like. You know, there's things that I've said or done to my kids that I shouldn't have. But you know what they got to see from that? They got to see repentance. Yeah. I've actually apologized to my kids. And I have to teach them. It's like, I don't know how my seven or eight-year-old, Zion, some, at some point, whenever he get in trouble, he go, you hate me, you hate me, right? I'm like, where did that ever come from? Come here, son, I love you. As a father, I show affection, I show care, I give them lots of kisses. I don't need to be a... And I'm not going to cuss, but I don't need to be a bad you-know-what to sh- teach my kids to be tough, nor am I teaching them to be weak. I'm teaching them the fear of the Lord. I'm teaching them to be submitted and bridled by God just as their dad is. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. This is the manual. It comes from heaven in the Father's heart that teaches you how to love your kids right. Listen, loving raising kids is hard. Yes, is. Being married is hard. Yeah. I married a woman that is a complete opposite of me. And she's she's tough, she's secure, she knows what she likes, and sometimes she can be stubborn. But you know what? I need her to be that way because I am too. And you know, opposites either attract, attract or opposites attack. And sometimes we attack, but because of the fear of the Lord and because you're restrained and you're bridled, you love perfectly just as the father loves you perfectly. So the fear of God translates to every area of your life because God's watching you. The eyes and the ears of the Lord are upon the righteous. So if you knew that God's eyes and ears were always this close, you realize you can't hide and you realize like, man, God's watching how I talk back. God's watching how I discipline my children. God's watching the things that I say, right? So the fear of God strengthens you, empowers you, encourages you, equips you. It builds you up every day and it multiplies your life. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. The chief prosecutor that was destroying the early church just got born again. The number one adversary against the early Christian church just gave his life to Jesus. And now people were trying to kill him. But because he got flamed on, there was a moment of reprieve where the church wasn't being persecuted. All right? And then you get this scripture. Acts chapter nine, verse 31. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they had a plethora of new people and resources come to their life. The word multiplied is the word plethora. This is the word plethora. If you could take him out, if he's gonna talk, I'd appreciate that, please. So it's the word plethora. It's the word multiplication. It literally means that God is gonna bring an abundance of people and resources in addition to your life. But more than the abundance of resources, what we really want is this word peace and comfort. Every one of us are looking for peace and comfort in our life. We, go to, we turn to drugs and alcohol and sex and People turn to porn and the things of this world because they're dissatisfied and they're unhappy. And so when the guy came up and said, man, I'm struggling with doing coke. I said, let's ask God to reveal why. Because coke is not, coke; cocaine is the result, not the symptom. And I said, let's pray. And then I looked him right in the eyes. I said, almost 10 out of 10 times, the symptoms are related to fathering issues and abandonment and neglect and dissatisfaction with yourself. He goes, How did you know that? I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm just a pastor. The truth is, is alcohol and drugs and porn all are a result of a dissatisfaction within yourself. Something's not being fulfilled within you. Right? And so you got to get to the root of that thing. So ask the Lord and don't be afraid when he shows you. Don't cower in, in, in shame and fear. Just let him reveal it and then say, God, what's it gonna take to heal it? I don't wanna be like that anymore, right? And so I want you to have peace and I want you to be edified. But the key here is you can almost read the scripture backwards. Multiplication comes from the comfort of the Holy Spirit and walking in the fear of the Lord. And in turn, you get peace and you're edified, right? Now this word peace, you guys know I'm half Greek, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I really like looking up words in Greek. This word, peace, is the word Irene. It's the name, Irene. And it has a whole lot of different meanings. That's the beauty of looking up words in the Blue Letter Bible is that there are words that, the English language can't fully define or explain. So when you look it up in the original Greek or Hebrew, it opens up this treasure chest of understanding. That's why you should study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, but rightly divides the word of God because you have understanding. And so this word Irene first means rest. If you look it up in the King James version, it says rest. And we all want rest. The, the, the uh, antonym of rest is anxiety. So we can't sleep at night, we're worried, we're anxious, we're stressed out. And whenever you're worried, anxious, and stressed out, and you're not being comforted by the Holy Spirit, you try to make something happen. We're always thinking, how can I fix this situation? But God doesn't want you to try to have to fix a situation. He wants you to trust him and him show you the proper way to fix the situation. There could be 50 different ways to fix a situation, right? But but in God's eyes, he's got a perfect way. And so when you walk in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, you get peace. So the first word for peace is rest. Here's the second understanding of the word peace. It's national tranquility. Realize the church is another nation in God's eyes. We're not of this world. We're a nation, in a sense, in a nation. I actually see America in the nation of the kingdom. I see the kingdom as the standard, not a subculture. I know the king that created everything. Psalm 2, didn't you know I've set my king on my mountain? Who's the king on the mountain? His name's Jesus. He's the king of all kings. But we, why do we act like little subculture Christians? Oh, it's like... 87,000 IRS agents. I'm righteous and bold as a lion. I'm not gonna, I'm not, look, you, you have, this is the thing, as the world is spinning out, you should be spinning in. You should be more flamed on. But the more you look at the world, the more you become like the world. But the more you look at Jesus, you'll die for the world. That's what Jesus did. God so loved the world that he gave his life for it. And so the peace of God is tranquility. The peace of God is a lot of things. I'll give you some great definitions. The peace of God is also harmony and unity amongst people, which comes from living in a proper fear of the Lord. So because I'm in the fear of the Lord, I see you and love you accurately because I'm being seen and loved accurately. Now, it doesn't matter to me what somebody thinks. In fact, I counseled a pastor uh, that came to visit here that's getting really flamed on. I said, listen, don't be a man pleaser. People aren't gonna like you and they're gonna leave you. If you can just get that situated in your mind early on, you'll be all right. I love you, I care about you, but you can't make somebody stay in your life. But if you walk in a proper fear of the Lord, you'll love them no matter what they do at all times because you're restrained by God. You'll also know how to correct them in discipline because there's two sides to the coin. And that's that scripture we were talking about. Some save with love and grace and some save with fear. And we'll talk about that next week. But see, fear and love is always synonymous. I, if I don't have perfect love, then I'll bring an inaccurate fear to your life. Here's another good definition of peace. Another good definition of peace is because I'm saved, remember what salvation is. Don't, you all should understand salvation. He rescued you first. The very name Jesus means deliverer. So whenever you say in Jesus' name, you're saying in the deliverer's name, in the one that sets me free name, in the one that protects me name. Rooted in his name, Yeshua is salvation and deliverance. The first thing that God does is he rescues you. That's why salvation can only start when you realize you need to be rescued. There has to be this epiphany that says, I can't do this on my own anymore. So he rescues you, he protects you, he delivers you, and then he makes you to be something. Salvation's an ongoing process. That's why you have to be patient with people that combust, do things you don't think they should do. Just have kids and you'll learn salvation really well. (laughs) Right? So salvation is like, man, come here, I love you. You shouldn't have done that. I know this is hard, bend over now come here and give me a hug. I love you. That, that hurts me too. I care about you. Some of y'all got spanked and abused by parents and they didn't show you any love. There's a right way to do it. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because God does it for you. Some of y'all got spiritual spankings and some of you are getting them now and you're manifesting and bowing up. Some of y'all got kids that The minute it's time to get a spanking and you bend them over, they're fighting you and kicking their legs and you can hardly hold them down and maybe get one in, right? But it's all done out of perfect love and even your discipline is done out of perfect love, right? So peace, this peace that comes from salvation is a peace that causes me to fear nothing else but God. So I have no fear. I don't actually fear that God is ever coming after me to get me. How about this scripture? If God is for you, the answer is no one and nothing. Listen, you may have an incorrupt judge. So did the widow. You may have, there is injustice, but he's a God of justice. God is always a God of justice. God's never not a God of justice ever. Now, how it plays out is according to his design and according to our submission. We're in a situation, we don't know how it's going to pan out, but we're submitted. We're trusting. We're staying the course. It's hard. We kick and manifest at times, but God still has the upper hand because we fear him and we love him. Okay. So God wants you to be edified. This word edified means to be built up. This church has been built up because it walks in the fear of the Lord. This church by design is a very repentant, measuring type church because we must walk in the fear of the Lord. And then the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Being comforted by the Holy Spirit is an everyday thing. Let me tell you how I feel right now. And I felt this way a long time. A while back, I told you that I felt like I was 100 or 200 feet underwater. I feel like I'm about 300 feet underwater. But I had this vision of a scuba tank and on the scuba tank, it said grace. You guys remember that? It was a scuba tank of grace. It's God's ability to accomplish what I'm called to accomplish. And you can only do it by the grace of God. You can only make it through this season, Jordan, by the grace of God. And if you don't submit to the grace, you will be prideful and God will resist you. But if you submit to his divine influence through humility, what's humility? Humility is thinking of yourself less than. Pride is thinking of yourself more than you ought to. Pride is trying to become something. Humility is trying to become nothing. Jesus made himself of no reputation and humbled himself to the cross. See, you got to keep the cross front and center every single day of your life. The cross always crucifies. The cross always brings you to a humble, broken position of letting go and trusting God. And so when you stay humble, what does God do? He exalts you. What does God do? He lifts you up. He sees you through, he carries you through. And so right now, my analogy is I feel like I've walked the plank and I'm on the very edge hanging on by my pinky toe. It's how I feel right now. There's so many things that are happening at one time from our home, our family, rescuing of a child, Uh, multiple coffee shops. The business is expanding. We just took over Alameda. We just bought, we're building out at London Plaza. Cinnamon Shore South, that'll be six stores. I'm so in over my head. More money, more outflow than inflow. Um, And the lies of the enemy are often, you're not gonna make it. Foreclosure. Um, You're gonna have to file bankruptcy. The what ifs. That's the lie of the devil. But I learned something about God a long time ago. When I walk in a proper fear and submission to him, I take risks. I step out on the plank instead of fear because I know even if I went off the plank, he'll catch me. Even if I fall off the edge of the cliff, there's a net. It's the net of his mercy and grace. You can't live your life without fear. You can't live, I'm sorry, without risk. You can't shrink back. You know, let me show you an awesome scripture in the context of these two types of fears. Proverbs 28.1. Now y'all know I love this scripture. Proverbs 28.1 says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. It's, those are the two types of fear. It's the one fear that's always looking over their shoulder and always afraid everything's out to get me and they're gonna get me and it's all gonna come crumbling down because you know a great definition of fear, that uh, the evidence, what is fear? False evidence appearing real. And more often than not, the things I fear never happen. Because this isn't the first time I've been, I mean, this is more than I've ever been in, but it's not the first time. And every time God's seen you through, hasn't he? And so you, st- you learn, at some point you learn, God's, I'm trusting God, but the key is to walk in the fear of the Lord. So if you go back to Acts 9.31, notice the word walk. And here's the way I see that. Keep walking. Don't stop. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because his rod and his staff comfort me. This is the picture. Those that don't walk in the fear of God fear evil and walk in evil. Those that fear God are righteous and walk in bold confidence and cling to him, and then he carries you through. Because there's fear all around here. Fear of death, fear of loss, fear of the economy, fear of the White House, fear of the presidency, fear of the IRS, fear of this, fear of that. The, The devil's full of fear. But the fear of the Lord says, God's got this. I'm trusting him, and I'm gonna be bold as a lion. The righteous are bold as a lion, but the wicked flee when no one's even pursuing. One fear draws you away from God where you find torment and a lack of what you need to overcome confidently, but another fear drives you to God where you find everything you need to press on and not shrink back. Press on, beloved. Come on, guys. Your head's not tails. And you're not just barely making it. We're not just barely pleading for a Jesus to come into our situation and see us through. He's active, he's present. He's imminent and transcendent. He's right here with you. He's with every question. He's with every process. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He's in your struggle. He's in that battle in your health. He's in the battle with your finances. He's in the questions for your future ministry. He's in the question of what's gonna happen next. He's in the struggle of you feeling overlooked. He's in the struggle of you feeling like you're a sideshow. Because this is the thing about honor. Honor is, is something that all of us want, but the, the, there's a right way to get honor. And some of you don't feel honored. You don't feel valued. You don't feel cared for, and it's leading to a victim pity party mentality. Look at this scripture: Proverbs fifteen thirty three. Proverbs fifteen thirty three. The fear of the Lord is the instruction. Remember, fear has to be in, the fear of God is an instruction. I have to teach my kids to fear God. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor always comes brokenness, humility. It always comes in the decreasing. But what does pride do? Pride goes before what? That's right. So the best thing you can do is humble yourself. The best thing you can do is worship. See, you know why I worship the way I do? Because I fear God. Man, I, I would party and have sex and do drugs and get high and pray in tongues and go to clubs, born again for the first year. And you know what? I never missed a church service. I can tell you that I, unless I was on vacation with my family or really sick, I never missed a church service ever since I gave my life to the Lord ever. Because I knew there was this, I didn't even go to church for anybody else but the Lord. I'm not here for you, I'm here for Him. I don't beat my hands till they swell on the percussion for you to be cool. And a, I could play in a Latin jazz band and get high and live that life. I'm not doing this for money or titles. We would make more money selling coffee. We could just shut the church down. We do it because it's a call. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a job. Yeah, right. And I don't come here. I come here for the guy that came up to said, man, I need prayer. I, I'm a Coke addict. Yeah. I come here not Because it's about me, but because it's about him. And then in turn, it makes it about loving other people, right? That's why I worship. Nothing going on in my personal life ever dictates how I worship. In fact, it will dictate that I worship more intensely. And I'll beat that drum a little harder. Some of y'all, when you're frustrated, you go to the gym. When I'm frustrated, I beat the tar out of my percussion instrument. So the fear of God really is a submission issue. Let's talk about humility and the fear of God. The fear of God is a submission issue. Because you know what you want to do. You know what you're doing that you shouldn't be doing. You know your questions and your struggles better than anybody does. And God knows it even better than you do. So it's a submission issue. And here's what it looks like. It's... This full dependence, I'm fully dependent upon the headship and lordship of Christ, fully dependent. I would literally combust if I didn't have, I don't know how anybody goes through life without Jesus. Well, I mean, I do know they buy more stuff, spend more money, work harder, and maybe drink lots of wine at the end of the day. I don't know. But what I do know is that Without Jesus, I would be so in turmoil on the inside that I would combust. It's full dependence upon his lordship and headship in our life. The fear of God moves the heart of God. Let's say that. The fear of God moves the heart of God. Let's, let's say a few more just to keep us engaged here, because I know this is intense for some of you. The fear of God gets the ear of God. Those who fear God are near to God. And they hear God. God. So the grace of God, let's just briefly talk about this. The grace of God is God's governmental influence on your life. It's divine influence. It's a divine empowerment, okay? You can't overcome addiction. You can't stay married. You can't overcome dysfunction without the grace of God. The governmental grace of God is God divinely leading you into every decision you make in your life. If I'm prideful, I resist it. But if I'm humble, I receive it, okay? If you stay prideful and don't let God restrain you and put his bit in your mouth, what happens is, is that you slander the grace of God. And then God says, okay, hand off. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you, But what it does mean is he takes his hand off. And I never want God to take his hand off my life. I cannot imagine God removing his hand off my life. And so because of that, I stay humble. I stay submitted. I stay bridled. And I don't do the things that maybe I would want to do. Understand? Why? Not just because I don't want him to take his hand off, but because I love him. I love my wife so much that I would never want to cheat on her. I would never want to have an affair with my wife. Not because it would be the dumbest thing I'd ever do in my life and I'd lose the best person in my life. But because I love her so much, I would never want to hurt her heart. So before honor is humility. It's the opposite of pride. You guys doing okay? Can you hang in a few more minutes? The fear of God and the love of God fit perfectly together and it brings a heart of wisdom. Without the fear of God, we slander the grace of God. Fear and favor are synonymous in light of who God is because he's a good father and he genuinely knows what's best for you. God knows what's best for you better than you do. At some point, you'll figure it out. I suggest now. He knows what's best for you. So the fear of God gets the favor of God. Hence, we choose to live in the proper fear and reverence of God. Now, most people see God one of two ways. They either see God from a master-slave standpoint or a father-son standpoint. What do you think we're building here? How do you think I live? How do I want you to live? God, you can't, the world sees God. See, the other type of fear sees God as a master-slave. I'm not good enough. I'll never measure up. I'm not a good Christian. I feel like I'm being a hypocrite. I didn't worship today. I didn't read my Bible today. And see, therein lies the core root of master slave So because you did all the right things, you earned the favor of God. I have to break that out of people all the time. It's like, oh, so you didn't read your Bible enough? How much is enough? Is it five minutes on your daily bread, one scripture a day, or is it two hours a day? How long should you pray in your prayer closet? Do you cry and snot and suck carpet? for two hours and pray in tongues, or is it two minutes? What do you think God really looks for, the time or the heart? And this is the thing, religious duty and religious protocols are lies. Should you worship? Yes. Should you pray in your prayer closet? Yes. Should you spend time in your Bible? Yes. But see, if you see it as duty and you don't do it enough and I need to do it more, then what happens is it becomes works instead of trust out of love. It's like, oh man, you mean I have to sit with my wife and have a conversation? Oh, man. You mean I have to plan because she's a planner and get my calendar out and put everything in calendar? This is miserable. You mean I have to go on a date night? You mean I get to be intimate with her? It all encompasses together. I want to do it. Why? Not because I have to. The minute I sit down with my wife and I go, and she knows me so well, She knows me so well. She knows when I'm in business mode and agenda mode. I'm like, okay, what do you you have to talk about? What do you want to talk about? She's like, I don't want to talk about anything if you're going to be like that. (laughs) This is the thing with the Lord is that we agenda God but you don't, that's master slave. You think that I go spend time with the Lord and worship because I'm a pastor? I did this long before I was a pastor. My best advice to you right now is before any promotion or anything comes to your life is run to his feet. Listen, I'm I'm gonna lovingly say this. Post-conference, I had several people reach out and say, man, I'm so flamed on, where can I serve? I don't wanna lose this fire. You know what I type back? For the next two weeks, I want you to spend an hour to two hours a day sitting at the feet of Jesus. Because the the problem is if you find your fire and your flame and your value in what you do, what happens when I take away what you do or God takes it away? Then who are you? You know how many people I meet that once? I had an Uber driver pick me up And you know, I made this commitment that every Uber driver that picks me up, I would witness to everyone. So the guy gets in the car, gave me a ride to the gym. And I said, I told him who I was and he goes, oh, he goes, I used to go to church, but I don't go anymore because uh, I was so actively involved in serving. It's the only church I'd ever been to. I got saved there. And we raised a bunch of money for the youth ministry only for the pastor's wife to steal all the money. It was a church here in town, stole all the money. And he said, at that point, I never ever went back to church. I don't know, 20 something years. And instead of coddling him, I said, bro, you found your value in your work instead of who you were. When the work got taken away or somebody let you down, you walked away from God because he wasn't even walking with the Lord. And some of y'all got so hurt that God's a distant thing. This is the thing. We'll never let you find your value in what you do, which is why we move really slow, which is why a lot of people think, what am I gonna do? You're gonna become a son. Why don't you become a son first and be so in love with Jesus and let him do the rest? Because most churches will fill positions and promote people or promote positions and not people. And I know it's hard. I understand because there's so much talent in this house and people are like, man, I'm just dying to do something. And I'm like, you know what? Every Saturday, come here and clean a toilet. Yeah. Or, or go just sit with Jesus. You know how you keep the fire hot? You sit by the fireplace. You know how you get hot? You sit by the fireplace. 1 John four eighteen. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who, ha- but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So if you have any fear in your life, any fear, shame, control, victim mentality, any of that stuff, it's an absence of perfect love. You don't really know actually how much the Lord loves you. And you're not actually really walking in perfect love. And it's okay, just own it. The Lord showed me, I had this encounter where God said, "Um, you need to be born again. I'm like, what? This was two years ago. You've heard me talk about this. He said, you need to be born again. I said, Lord, I am born again. He goes, he goes, yes, you're born again, but there's areas of your life that never got born again or need to be born again again. I said, what do you mean? And he showed me a tree and he showed me branches on this tree. And then he, I saw him cutting these branches off in my life. Every area of fear, shame, control, manipulation, doubt, lies, hiding, combusting are all areas of your life that have yet to be refined. And I said, okay, help me to understand this more. He says, one of the core reasons why you get born again is so that you would understand perfect love because what you were born into was an absence of perfect love. Even if your parents loved you the best that they knew how to love you, they can't love you the way the heavenly father can love you. And I'll stop with this because this is a heavy point and I have a lot more to say. We'll break it down in time. When you get born again, you come into the father's love, which is perfect from day one. The problem is man-made religion blows it up for a lot of people. But if I can get you past that, you'll walk in perfect love with the Lord no matter what I do. I pray that I never, and don't believe that I will, ever steal, lie, cheat, or blow this church up. But your strength and your hope is not in me, it's in Him. And the church will advance no matter what I do or don't do. It's been advancing for thousands of years, right? So we ultimately have perfect love with the Lord, which causes us to love others perfectly. So when a megachurch pastor combusts and has an affair, we pray for them and love them instead of tear them down. Because you don't know all their story. Some of y'all is like, oh, bashing other pastors and Joel Osteen and all these other things stop. You don't know what God's doing in their life and you want to come in and blast up Kenneth Copeland and all these prosperity people. Hey, just because you don't like it, you don't have to follow them. Let God do what God's doing and pray for them instead of trying to make YouTube videos to call them all out. I hate that stuff. Hate it. I don't support any of those people. So perfect love casts out all fear. That's why God showed me the reason why things get renewed in my life is to bring me to perfect love, not to make me a better person. Because we're all chasing a religion to make you a better person. God doesn't want to make you a better person. He wants to kill you. (laughs) Seriously. Remember my statement? Jordan helped remind to me the other day. Somebody I was asked in a panel discussion, if I could go back 10 years, what would I tell myself? Just I know. Just I know. <laughs> Promotion comes from death. Resurrection comes from death. You're not just trying to make it. You don't have to be anything but what Jesus calls you to be. So if you have any fear in your life, it's an absence of perfect love, which is the wrong kind of fear, master, slave. But because I walk in perfect love, it doesn't matter, look, Let's just say hypothetically in my business dealings, I've overextended myself and made a mistake. Let's say that I've spent too much money. Let's say that I'm in too much debt. Let's say that it could all come crumbling down. Let's say that it does. I would rather have taken the risk than not because I'm not doing anything illegal, immoral, unethical, or unbiblical. Hang on, hang on, follow me. This applies to you. Not this, I'm using my life as an example. It doesn't matter when you walk in the fear of the Lord and you have perfect love. What are you trying to protect? What are you trying to control? I'm not doing this to make me a millionaire. I'm doing this to have greater impact and because the Lord said to do it. When Hurricane Harvey wiped out the Port Aransas coffee waves, I had my out. I could have shut it all down and stayed focused on here. And by the way, the church is my first love, not selling coffee. That's my tent making. Your jobs are your tent-making thing. God's always got a bigger call and you're in full-time ministry wherever you're at. You don't need this microphone or this pulpit. You're in full-time ministry anywhere you're at. And if God, all your jobs to make money is a, is a means to a greater end and call from God. Do you understand? And when that shop was wiped out, I could have said, done. And I cried for a moment. I said, okay, God, I'm gonna give it up. He goes, I didn't tell you to give it up. I put you there for a reason. And I keep, I'm keeping you in the marketplace for a reason. Now, I don't know how long, and the truth is, as many days I say, I wish I was out because I could just focus here, but God's not calling me to do that. And so it doesn't matter. When you fear God, you take risks. When you fear God, you trust. When you fear God, you get in over your head. When you fear God, you live 200 feet underwater with a scuba tank of grace. When you fear God, you're submitted and you're restrained. When you fear God, when the devil says, look at that, click that, it's all about you, your flesh, pleasure, 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 pleasure. I say, crucify my flesh, I'm restrained and restricted because every single one of us have something in our hands that gives us access to something we shouldn't see or watch, all of us do. And I don't care if you put safeguards on your phone at the end of the day, if you really wanna do it, you're gonna find a way to do it. Mark my words. And I'm not saying you shouldn't put safeguards. But what I am saying to you is it's a heart issue, it's a submission issue, it's a fear of God issue. This is a proper fear of God. The fear of God should make you smile. And sometimes it hurts. It hurts. But if you study Hebrews 12, which we'll get to in this series, you'll understand that even when you get a spiritual spanking, it's for your good. Bring it on, Lord. I I don't want this. I don't want this. But get out the holy paddle. I really screwed it up. But Lord, please, I really would like mercy. Please, God, have mercy. Please, God, have mercy. Please, God, have mercy. You see how that works? All right, I'm gonna stop there. That's a lot. I have so much more to share. Okay, you will grow with this. Let's just change. Let's go back real quick. I'll close with this scripture because we started with it, Acts 9.31. You know what I think about in this scripture? You can take this. When Saul, you can take it. When Saul got born again on the road to Damascus, the chief oppressor got born again. What if the person you hate the most gets born again tonight? What if in all your injustice, in a moment, and then God says, oh, let's take a walk down memory lane and see how you acted. I'm looking at you. It's all in your response, folks. Listen, new levels, new devils is a real saying. There are some chief, chief influencers in this house. And you're wondering why in the world is all hell seeming to break loose? But listen, the more hell you walk through, the more that you just realize, oh, it's no big deal, God's got this. Because you walk in the fear of God. When you fear God, you fear no man, no circumstance, no situation, no economy, no White House, no president, no police officer, no IRS agent. Did you see the the job description for the IRS agents? They have to be willing to use force. Did you know they have like 4,000 guns and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of rounds of ammunition and buying up more every day? That's not a conspiracy theory, by the way. I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. This is fact. And you know what? Okay, well, I'm not of this world. You can't kill a dead man. And I'm not saying that prideful. I'm not trying to be prideful. I mean it. I'm just making a point. You need to walk in the fear of God. I want you to have peace and comfort of the Holy Spirit, and I want you to be multiplied. This is a remnant church, folks. This is a remnant church. Uncompromising, unwavering, and it's not gonna be the most popular thing, but it'll be a place where the desperate and the broken can find reprieve and comfort and be accepted the way that you are. You understand? And we make no apologies about the supernatural and deliverance and busting up demons and praying in tongues and being spirit-filled because it's in the Bible and we are a full gospel church that has to move in the power of God. We don't build our church on mass deliverance sessions. We build them on family vision and leadership and the fear of God. But it doesn't mean you can't have those other things or shouldn't. All right? Okay, let's stand. Now I want you to ask yourself, have you been walking in a proper fear of God? I want you to pray the prayer. Lord, show me the fear of the Lord. Teach me the fear of the Lord. Ask the Lord to teach you. Close your eyes for a moment. Just say this to the Lord between you and him. Teach me the fear of the Lord. Instruct me in wisdom. Teach me the fear of the Lord. me the fear of the Lord God I want to know your perfect love I don't want to have any other fear in my life I want to know you for who you are God as a loving father who wants the best for us I really sense the pleasure of the Lord on this message. He loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you more than you realize and know. His love is so incredible. You are his beloved. You're his sons and daughters. We're the family of God. You have nothing to fear. Like to ask my prayer partners and my ministry team to come up. All my prayer partners, if you'd come up, please. And today, if you are hurting, distant, far, if you feel like, man, this message, I have been, I have been resistant to the grace of God. I've been resistant to the love of God. I've been resistant to His pursuing. Maybe you've been spinning out affairs, addiction, pornography. Own it. Just, just say, man like the guy with doing the coke did. I mean, that was awesome. Instead of pushing him away, he was embraced. You'll be embraced today. So if you want to confess something, come confess it. Just tell one of these prayer partners, just get it out. I've been struggling with this. I don't want it anymore. All right? And if you don't know the Lord, tell somebody. I want to know him. Cry out to him. Be authentic with him. He he'll hear you if you're authentic. One of the most powerful prayers you can ever pray is help. If you mean it, God hears it. All right? If you've been stubborn and obstinate, you don't want to be, you don't want to be broken the wrong way. Trust me, it's not fun. Just be broken now and be honest. So come up if you'd like somebody to pray for you. If you're sick, if you have a lost one that or a loved one that's lost and doesn't know the Lord, if you're battling a sickness, if you've had fear, listen. If you have fear in any area of your life or control, get it out. Don't take it home. You don't have to take it home today. You don't have to take it home. If you're afraid of dying, the bondage of death, you don't have to take that home. If you're afraid of the future, you don't have to take that home. Okay, if you're struggling with something, let it go and leave it here today. So you see, we have a wonderful group of prayer partners that'll pray for you. You can come on up if you'd like prayer. I bless you and I love you and I speak life and health and strength to you in the fear of the Lord all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen.